1: Welcome back to another episode of With Sooner. We're very excited to be here with you today. This will be uh, a very special episode. Um, it's uh, one of the last episodes of July, of course, but it's also, uh, we have a very special guest joining us today, Tanner, um, who we'll, we'll talk a little bit about later. Um, and before we get to all that, you know, just kind of quick lay of the land here, uh, back after the year, what we're seeing so far, truckload volumes are actually beginning to increase slightly. Nothing to write home about, but they are uh it does seem like they are inching their way up. We've got uh rates still kind of stabilizing, nothing super special there. And then we're also um beginning to see imports kind of trickle up a little bit as well. So lots to talk about and get to.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um it's been interesting. I actually tweeted my July market update earlier um today and the, looking at, obviously, our bread and butter outbound tender volume index, it's pretty much been flat for about nine months. I mean, very, very boring chart uh, to look at this year yeah. so far. But interesting enough, like you mentioned earlier, Luke, since February, I think it was February 21st uh, this morning, uh, compared to this morning versus February,
1: we're about 14% increase in outbound total volume. That's that's definitely no small thing. That's notable. That's notable. And that's with rejections not going up at all. So that's that's really a, a real increase in volume. And what's interesting too is we're really starting to, it almost feels like we're seeing the acceleration in the increase. If you notice that dark blue shaded line at the bottom there, volumes are starting to come up at a faster rate when traditionally, if you look at those previous years, even those pandemic years minus the orange line, which is 2020, which doesn't count, we're gonna throw that one out. But I mean, typically July starts to slow down. Like you see that there in 2019, which is the purple line. You see that in the green line, which is 2022. You even see it in the first half of July in 2021, which was a crazy COVID year. So, you know, f- typically July is going down. We, we almost never see the first half of July pick up like this. Very interesting to see. And it's going to be exciting to see, you know, is this is this just an anomaly and it's going to continue or is this just a short period of time? We're going to find out. Yeah, absolutely. And, and
2: rejections just can't seem to make up their mind. No. Um, 3% for quite a while. Rejections is one of those data sets that likes to move a lot, right? It doesn't necessarily sit still, but it's been at three percent for for a pretty long period of time, and so I think that's it, there's no way to correlate rejections of what's going on with volume, like like you mentioned, the port activity is really picking up, which I think has yeah. a lot to do with the recent um, the uh, pickup in the outbound tender.
1: So it's it's gonna be an interesting few months here. Definitely is. Now we we've got we've got to talk about this too because it, we're gonna talk about a little bit more about some sonar data, but we also have to talk about uh, we've got a very special guest joining us here that we're gonna bring on. Um, uh, Phil Schmidtbauer, who is uh, a, a, a customer uh, of Freeways, who you know quite well, but also more importantly, he's actually the um, senior director of analytics at ODW Logistics, and uh, I believe has a lot of expertise when it comes to network optimizing. Which, when you have a lot of uh, a lot of fluctuating volumes in vans, that, that, that's a, that's an important important job.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It should be at the forefront of every, honestly, customer's uh, mind about opt- op- network optimization and what carrier mix you're using and what you know how to efficiently have processes in place. And Phil is the man, the expert when it comes to that. So we'd love to go ahead and bring him on, let Do him introduce himself. Uh, Phil, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing today? Good, good, doing really well. Um, really appreciate you taking some time to jump on with us here and, and ask a few questions uh with, with Luke and I. Um, but first I, I know you, but um our audience doesn't. So if you don't mind maybe introducing yourself, uh talk a little bit about what you guys do uh at OD, ODW.
0: Yeah, so uh, I'm Phil Schmidbauer, uh senior director of solutions engineering and, and analytics. And and really our job, we, we're a full supply chain 3PL. And so um what What we do best is working together as a warehouse and transportation organization to optimize the supply chains of customers. And so we're working with a customer today um, that's a recent carve out from a massive manufacturer. Uh, It's a huge brand that they've carved out of it. Um, And our job is to stand up a D.C. uh, in Columbus uh, later on this year and then handle the transportation for them. Right. So. We're going through a ton of data right now, a ton of information, because we don't want to just manage the transportation or the warehousing separate. We need to understand the inbound flow of the product, how we're going to load in the warehouse, uh, what the outbound is going to look like and how we're going to mesh that with our other customers going into through a freight consolidation going out to the end customers. So there's a ton of work being done around this right now. But our goal is not just looking at optimizing your transportation, but are we doing it and best utilizing the warehouse and the resources they have and leveling out their workload? Making sure that we don't have too many carriers, you know, the, the carrier usage going in certain lanes. So it's about it's about optimizing the ins- entire supply chain and understanding that we may cause some headaches on the warehouse the way we're scheduling freight to go out, but it's going to save money on the freight side, right? So it's about getting a total supply chain cost for our customers in line. And that also includes, before we do any of this work, making sure we're in the right location and warehousing in the right location. So that's really what we do is just helping customers understand, are you set up set up for success geographically? And the number of locations you have, and then how do we optimize the freight that's going to go in and out of those locations uh, as we move forward with actual operations. That's great. Phil, if you could, too, just uh, for some of our audience here who may be a lot newer to logistics
1: and supply chain states, maybe just starting off their careers, right? When, when we say network optimization, we know what that means. But for, from their view, like, wh- why is it important? Why should why should they care about that?
0: Yeah. So a lot of it, um, I I had a college course. uh, I went to central Michigan. We had a logistics management course. And it's funny because when I was in college in 2002, all of our coursework was designed around this, right? And our professor put it in front of us and we worked in groups on it. But um, look, if you're, you just think of Amazon, if you're an Amazon customer and you want your product within a day and you live all over the United States, Amazon's got to have a ton of distribution centers with inventory all over the place in order for everyone in the U.S. or a certain majority of us to be able to get it overnight, right? Um, whereas in retail, when we when we deliver into retail locations, um, we deliver a lot of customers out of one location in Columbus, Ohio, and we reach the entire United States. Um, and again, you have 10 to 14 day lead times to get it there. So network analysis is all about how many distribution points, how many products are in each of those distribution points. And it, it, it's a, a balance between cost and lead time. You know, how quickly do you need to service your customer? And then what's the best, most cost-effective way to do that? So it's a constant balance. And I, I tell people all the time, it's an art form. There is no there is no black or white answer to these things. It's an art form and there's you're just me- measuring and managing your risk based on your network.
2: Now, Phil, it's it's very easy to find a truck right now. The market's pretty soft. Capacity conditions aren't necessarily that tight. So it, is the conversation, is it more difficult to get customers to talk about network optimization when it's not really at the forefront of their minds? How do you kind of get them, how do you get that stickiness going with them when really kind of everything's just easy right now?
0: Yeah. So from a network standpoint, um, people are always looking for ways to get better. Um, you know, the, the customer that we're, that's carving out is carving out of a network that has five distribution centers right now. There's a lot of wastes and a lot of difficulty in five distribution centers. So when you're doing a carve out, simplicity is key, right? You've got to keep it simple. You're setting up new systems all across the board, new technology. You've got to keep things simple. So. Um, but as, as far as talking to customers, it's all about it's all about that larger conversation around and, and maybe within their network, they can't if they're on a five year lease, they can't just up, uproot their network. Right. So we support them there. So then we take the conversation out of the transportation optimization and the way I the way I like to look at it. And, and no matter what economy you're in, driving value for customers is always going to speak for itself. So it's not about, hey, I can save you a couple pennies on this lane rate or that lane rate. You have to take customers' data and show them the value of optimization, whether it's a network optimization or a transportation optimization where I'm just filling up and putting more on your trucks and building multi-stop truckloads. It's all about value. If we can deliver value, customers are going to listen. Yeah,
1: that's great context there, Phil in your role right you mentioned that a lot of this is an art form right when, when we think about you know optimizing somebody's network it's an art form right there's no perfect way to do it there no no necessarily always one way to do it but yeah there there's all where does data play a part in maybe assisting the art right Are there i guess are yeah. there certain data points that that you shouldn't be looking at to understand maybe yeah. how how it's performing
0: how do you think about that yeah, no, it's a great question. And, and it is, it's all driven by data. Um, and, and we're constantly even looking at our own data to make sure that, that that's accurate. So what we think we're putting on trucks and what we're designing based on the data flow, we, we go and audit that. Right. And I learned that a long time ago in my days at, at the Toyota plant, go look, go see, you have to go on the floor, make sure your audit's accurate, but then it goes down to like the sonar data that we use and, and making sure that we're understanding it. And what I, the way I put it is we still have to make sure that our lane rates are competitive, right? Like you don't have to be the cheapest when you can optimize well, because there's inherent cost in that. When I build a two-stop truckload, it's not just an origin to destination rate. There's a stop-off fee, additional miles, a pain in the butt sometimes for drivers, so you pay a little bit more. Um, but in the end, that that data helps you get to the baseline of where to make sure you're still operating at good cost on the lane rates. Um, and then there's all about key performance metrics. What's your trailer utilization look like? What's your le- additional leg miles? I've seen people do optimization and they put trucks together, or they put loads together that drivers just hate. Like you you have three quarters of a day transit in between two stops. It's not even worth it, right? So, so that's the other part of the art form. And then measuring our performance on key performance indicators, how full are the trucks? Um, what's our cost basis? We make sure that we're buying uh, as close to, to market bottom as we can from a transportation standpoint. So there's a ton of data that goes into it and measuring your performance. And then I like to tell people, we don't want to just measure how we're doing. We want to go explain why there's changes in that key performance metric from, from week to week and month to month.
2: Yeah, Phil, and all that, it sounds like ODW really takes more of a consultative approach to a customer relationship rather than that transactional. And and I think we've seen that shift with the decline of the market. So Phil, how important is it going to be for third-party providers moving forward to get away from that transactional sell and more move into that strategic consultative approach type relationship. Well,
0: I'm okay with fewer and fewer of them doing it. I mean, we'll just keep to keep soaking up speech you know, like it's it's great looking at data. And when I can look at a customer's data and they say so and so is handling my freight. And I'm like, you guys shipped an LTL in the morning and an LTL to the same place in the afternoon that you could have put together on a truckload with something the following day. Right. So I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it for me it's great when people people don't look at it like that. But but we're, they're just going to get continue to get chewed up. I mean, you see a brokerage that goes out of business. You have to provide additional value outside of just looking a load at the cheapest rate, right? Like racing to the bottom on a lane rate isn't going to do anyone any good. Um, and and that's why I think ODW is successful in good times and a bad, because we we really focus on driving value for customers. And this stuff's not easy. Like we've been doing it for years. Um, I did it in my past. It's not easy to do, right? But as we continue to build processes and get better at it, we're just sticky with customers because we're continue to drive value for those customers.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's good, basically what I think what Phil what Phil said is like no, no, no. Don't be a consultant. Be transactional. Yeah. they will <laughs> just come in from <laughs> behind with <at> that audible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Absolutely. and and
2: I think this you know that that buzzword of like digital freight matching was such a big yeah. thing that's gone around and interesting enough I think I just saw Freight Raiders article come out yesterday that the first decently sized broker actually filed bankruptcy the first digital freight matching brokerage yeah. and fortunately I I do think we're gonna see more of that to come so I think you guys have a much larger opportunity ahead of yourselves uh in breaking into that now Phil we talked about using a little bit of sonar data here I don't want to use it too much at infomercial but what you guys aren't just using Sonar data, right? You've got all these different data points that, that you're using to make decisions with. I guess one thing that I hear a lot from other Sonar customers is, hey, we've got all this great data, but what's most important is how we use it. So what are some of the parameters that you guys are setting around making sure that you're not necessarily using the correct data, but using the data that's going to ultimately lead you
0: to be able to consult that customer? Yeah, I mean, the key point with data is it's never perfect, right? It's never going to be perfect. So like, again, it's it's about... Having the data, going through a process, validating the data, um, keeping an eye on the, sh- on the shifts in the data, right? So what's changing? You guys just showed that chart today and, and are talking about volumes being up. And um, I I'd love to see that. Um, I still think we have some some murky waters ahead in the truckload market. What you know, let's see what happens happens with yellow and how this thing pans out um over the coming weeks, and then see what your graphs are going to do from that standpoint because you have a massive LTL carrier or something happens there. Um, you know, who knows what's gonna happen. So for us, it's it's about looking at the data, understanding that it's not going to be perfect, um, and then to me, it's the big swings in data and understanding what's happening in those swings and how you can how you can react. So, um, you know, again, even even managing data, there's there's no there's no playbook on this. Everybody's going to use data differently. Everyone's going to rely on different sources of data. We have tons of different sources of data we look at. Uh, we have different systems we use and technology. And again. Um, you know, Tanner, it's fun. It's fun looking at a customer's data and saying, you know what? I don't even care if I have the most competitive rate because we're saving so much by putting this multi-stop truckload together. It doesn't matter what my rate is. Like you guys are shipping air across the country. It doesn't matter. And that's really where you find a ton of savings in customers. Now we have customers that ship full truckloads point A to point B. Look, y- you know, you're shipping a bunch of water or, or a commodity and, and that's all you can fit on a truck as a full truckload order. Sure. You know, race to the bottom on the rate on that, on that freight, but when you're shipping uh, a lot of larger LTLs or, or partial truckloads, there's just so much opportunity to, to optimize that freight. So Phil, I, I have to
1: ask the question, right? It sure is called With Sonar. So if you had to pick, do you have a favorite sonar data point um, that you, you like to look at?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, tender rejects is always interesting to look at, um, looking at that chart, just understanding what carriers are doing in the market. And is that is that predictive going up and down? Um, and, and so that's that's kind of one. I, I like when you guys put together the charts and send me the email and kind of read it out to me. So I don't have to go through and dig through it and interpret <laughs> it all myself. Uh, that's always fun too. But yeah, I, 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 like tender rejects. And that's one, I mean, when we first started uh, with you guys and honestly, I was, I was one of the, when, when Kyle called on us, I was one of the guys, I don't know what we're going to do with this data. I don't know that we understand it. And, and over time, like it, it just became a, a gradual thing to, to get into it. So that's probably my favorite. That's a good one. Yeah. We were, we uh,
1: we, We've been looking at that one a lot. Tanner, I know you mentioned that you were tweeting out a little bit about all the changes that have happened to it, right? It's, it's off its bottom, but not by a lot. And it's trying to figure out, you know, which direction it wants to go right now. And so far the elevated volumes haven't had much of an impact on it, which means that there's plenty of capacity to handle that elevated volume right now. I say elevated volume, elevated volume compared to where we were. Yeah. Uh,
0: context is key. (laughs) But, yeah, yeah, and I mean, I think to your to your guys, um, you know, you think about from a capacity standpoint, we haven't seen a whole lot happen with carriers, right? So you see a broker going out of business and going bankrupt, but we haven't seen a whole lot on the asset based front. Yeah, um, so it'll be interesting to see how the demand and and um and supply of this, you know, of trucking, uh, goes over the coming coming weeks and months.
2: Yeah, well, the, the barrier to entry for a carrier is so low, like, it, just because a carrier, let's say a 50 truck carrier goes out of business, like, those guys just, they don't leave the industry and go, you know, work at a warehouse or a restaurant or something, they're just going to sit in another driver's seat for another company, so just because a truck says that they close down isn't necessarily really going to leave the market, so I think it's really, really difficult to try to see that capacity leave, but you you mentioned yellow, right? Um, it sounds like the UPS thing got sorted out yesterday, so that we might have got saved there. But still, if yellow does file bankruptcy, I-, I would expect that we would see that start to make an impact, certainly in the LTL market. But I I do
1: believe that it might bleed over to the truckload market. It could well. definitely bleed into the truckload market. Yeah. I mean, they've got a they've got over fourteen thousand uh trucks and thirty some odd thousand trailers, right? That's definitely gonna impact truckload to some extent, but yeah, I mean it'll be interesting to see exactly. I think you're you're right. They they won't all go, go away. Some will go see another truck, but when you have a company of that size, it's going to take time for that transition to happen. So, yeah. Um we'll, we'll keep an eye and see if if they do end up going out of business or filing for bankruptcy or doing a restructure or whatever happens. Um we'll have to keep an eye on rates, we'll keep an eye on tender rejections, keep an eye on volumes and we'll see if see if there's any potential impact there. But I'd say uh you know, Phil, I guess from from your perspective, right? You know, a question I always like to ask folks Right, you've been in the industry for you've got a lot of great experience, right? What is what What's a bold prediction you would make for the industry that um, not necessarily that you expect to come true per se, but maybe something you'd like to see
0: happen over the next uh, three to five years? Oh man, that's a that's a good question. You know, I actually I'm just finishing up reading George Friedman's book when he talked at the at the last sonar event. You know, and and yeah. the one about um, his geopolitical discussion. And I'm just finishing up his book, and he makes some very good points. And while I think they're going to impact transportation, they're not direct. And one that I've been saying for years is the um, the uh, student loan bubble, and that's one that he talks about that that thing's getting ready to burst uh, in September. I think people have to start paying that. So when you talk about the impact on the transportation industry, I think it's just a matter of what happens with the economy, right? And I feel like the transportation industry sees things first. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with digital freight brokerage. I think, again, I go back to um, we're going to, we kind of shift over to automation and the less automation. And there's a lot of talk about AI. And I just, there was a lot of talk also about blockchain. And I, I haven't heard anybody talk about blockchain in a while. So as far as bold predictions, my bold prediction is that driving value for customers is going to continue to be a fad, whether in whatever technologies we have to bring in to do that. Some, some technology is going to come in and and like George talks about in his book, we're getting ready to have two cycles. end at the same time here in the late 2020s, Um, you know, so going into 2030, and I think there's going to be a huge shift in in both. And like he predicts, there's going to be a huge shift in the way that we operate um, with our government and the the way that we operate as individuals with, with people, right. And how we, how we react to each other. And so, Um, the one thing I know for sure is supply chain is going to continue to be in demand, we're going to continue to move products and we're going to probably have major disruptions every couple of years leading up to 2030. Uh, So the next major disruption could be another pandemic. It could be some, a war, who knows, but something's going to happen. It always does. Yeah. That's, that's a great call Phil. It actually,
1: that reminds me of something I heard, it reminds me of an interview I heard of Jeff Bezos says, and uh, they were saying, what's the next technology? And he says, I have no idea. But he says, I'm pretty sure consumers will still want to have their goods as quickly as possible and as cheaply as possible
0: without sacrificing quality. (laughs) Yeah. Better, better, faster, and cheaper. Better, faster, and cheaper. It's what I learned in college, and it has not changed. Has not changed. Good deal. Uh, Phil, thank you
2: so much for taking some time to join us today. I'm sure we will have you back on and hope to see you. I I guess we will see you in November, right? At F3 in Chattanooga.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm signed up in November. We'll see you down there and hope to talk to you guys before. Good deal. Thanks for joining. Thanks for joining, Phil. Thanks for taking
1: care. That's some good stuff. Um, all about it's all about figuring out a way to optimize somebody's network. I like what he said, right? You know, I think we, we get into this tug of war a lot of times. Is is the answer data, is the answer art, right? Is it experience, but, but it's not one or the other.
2: No, it it doesn't. Uh, I think it's a mix of both, actually. Right. And I think that's one thing that we every every time we I hear this a lot from Sonar customers. What you've heard it a lot from guests on Sonar repeatedly is it's it's, you can go out and purchase all the data in the world that you want to and say that you've got all the data. But it's really about how you use it and in the way that you use it that truly makes you successful. Um, And I, I think ODW has found a way to do that.
1: Speaking of data, I wanna bring up uh, one more data point here on um, Wisconsin and Fort Barways. This is gonna be wait times, okay? So we, we we don't look at this chart a lot, but it is, it, it is a nice one to look at. So this is just over the last year. These are uh, wait times in minutes that trucks are waiting at facilities. Now, mm-hmm. there's maybe times that trucks are waiting at the facility to get loaded. So this may not necessarily be active load or unload time, um, although that is included. It includes the time that they enter the facility. So they may be waiting at the facility before they even get to the dock doors. So right now it's about 117 minutes, um, a nice little drop from where we were just uh, about two weeks ago, which makes sense. That was, uh, we had some holidays going on two weeks ago. Not sure if anybody's aware, but uh, a little something called 4th of July. And uh, we've come down a little bit since that, which is to be expected. So we ran up towards the holiday, looks like we're coming back down. But 117 minutes, again, includes load and unload time, but also includes time just at the facility. Um, and this, this we, we've pulled out any th- any outliers of trucks that would just be sitting there overnight or something like that. Um, but all in all, for the most part, wait times have, have come down this this whole year. You know, they started the year around 125 minutes and. They've been steadily declining that's a good that's that's a positive for truckers no it is it
2: is a positive right you, like you have a limited amount of time per day per week per month for year that you can run and operate your truck in the least amount of time you spend sitting at a dock that means you get to run more miles um i'm surprised that this data set actually hasn't declined even a little bit even further over a longer period of time right you and i've talked about it like in efficiency improvements right they're sure. kind of like how you're loading a truck and and how many trucks and and who's working on the floor and, on the warehouse right so I'm I'm a little surprised, and um, I it looks like we got all the way up to like what is that 100 almost
1: 130 140 yeah. minutes. I can't see the chart for Well, you. Had, had we gone back like about a year and a half, two years ago, I mean, you're 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 flirt, you're flirting with 140 minutes yeah. at one point. And it's over, but believe it or not, 117 minutes is one of the best to spend. Now you have to remember this is across the entire country, yeah. all warehouse types. So you know, you've got some of those highly specialized stuff that's going to you know increase it. You've got some stuff that's a lot speedier that's going to decrease it. So. You know, depending on the industry, some industries are performing a lot better than others. Um, so, this is this is a cumulative average. I, I'd love to see it under 100 minutes. We'll see if we get there one day, but uh, hopefully, we'll. Um, anyways, folks, uh, it's been a great episode. We'll see you next week um, uh, live on Wist on our 3 p.m. on Wednesday. Stay tuned. There's a lot more Freightways content to come. And of course, be thinking about the November Freightways event here in Chattanooga F3. It's going to be an absolute banger. You're not going to want to miss it. Have a fantastic rest of your day.